Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You're locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host... I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. I had to bring back one of our, our favorite guests. Somebody that everybody responded to so well last season when she came on the show. It's time to get an update from the lady who hails from the from the bourbon capital of the world. Okay, we're talking about the pride of Kentucky. Ladies and gentlemen, say hello once again to Jesse Jones. Jesse, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I Listen, I am over the moon, and especially over the fact that you have really taken the wrestling world by storm through this whole WoW superheroes thing. Talk to us about how it's been over the past, uh, going on two years now. How has this changed uh, or even affected your career in general? Oh, you know, it's it's just been absolutely amazing. It's been a whirlwind. Everybody wants to know, you know, what Jesse Jones is up to and what she thinks it takes to make wrestling great again. And, you know... I'm I'm still spinning, you know. It's a, it's a whole lot coming from being from a small town, you know, and having a dream, and then actually like making it to your goal. You know what I mean? Well, absolutely, absolutely. And, and I'll tell you, one of the things that I do, and, and you know, the listeners they've demanded it. Whenever while superheroes on TV, I'll be on Twitter and I'll live tweet throughout the show. And what I've noticed is the, the amount of support that Jesse Jones has from all over the world. I mean, people really have taken to not only uh, who you are as a person, but also the, the amazing work that you do in the ring. It's it's really something amazing because you're not necessarily some, some good girl out there. You're, you're busting up people and breaking arms and what have you. How does it feel to, to be one of the more beloved uh, members of the Wild Superhero roster? Oh man, I didn't even know that many people liked me. <laughs> I get a lot of like a lot of people that are really angry, but I mean, I'm I'm just honored and and thankful. You know, like I'm thankful that people like enjoy enjoy watching me and that you know that I have any effect on them whatsoever. I'm just. I'm just glad. I'm just happy to be here. I say that all the time, but, like, literally, it's, it's, like, the most honest thing I can say. I'm just happy to be here. You know what I mean? Well, sure. I'm honored. And you certainly have shown it. In fact, uh, I mean, Jesse Jones could not be denied. So we, we, we start off Season 2 of WOW Superheroes a few short weeks ago on Access TV. Once again, folks, that's Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Access TV, I mean, literally prime time. The very first match that we see to kick off season two is Jesse Jones versus Fire. And, I mean, what a way to kick it off. What a way to, to reiterate who WoW Superheroes is to the world than to have Jesse Jones in there against Fire. Talk to us about that match, because that was really a heck of a match that you two ladies had there. Oh, absolutely. Um, Fire's a very talented girl. I think I might have underestimated her like going into the match because I didn't really 
respect her, and I was <laughs> I was determined I was going to break her arm and put her out, but she put up a good fight. So I, uh, at the end of it, I decided I'd let her keep her arm and <laughs> let the arm bar go after uh, that she tapped out. Yeah, I, I was very surprised that you let it go when you did because I've seen you in there. I've seen some things that you've done where you cinch that that arm bar in and, and you don't let go until you know that arm is broken. But you you showed her a little uh, respect in return because of the great fight that she put up in that match. So I, I absolutely tip my hat to the both of you. That's something else. Now, in episode two, something interesting happened. We we had a situation where the Beverly Hills Babe. She got double-crossed. She got double-crossed, and it just did not end up right at all. And yet, in the backstage area, you had some words with her, and, and you gave her a little bit of encouragement. Does this right. mean we're going to see Jesse Jones and the Beverly Hills Bay potentially uh, teaming up in the not-too-distant future? Well, you never know what will happen, but basically, like, I've known... I'm not going to call her the Beverly Hills babe. I've known Amber O'Neill, the bullet babe, for a very, very, very long time. And, you know, she's earned my, she has my respect. She's been around a long time. She's been all over the place. And to see her upset over some, you know, silicone-injected goofy bimbo, like, I just had to, like, let her know, you know, remind her who she is. So, I mean, maybe we... We'll line up, maybe not, but, like, I was just coming to her as a friend being like, girl, you, you, you're you not the Beverly Hills babe, you're the bullet babe, and you need to, like, forget that nonsense. Well, and, and I'll tell you, just to, to add on to that, I couldn't believe, I just could not believe that no good Lana Star, but between her and, and Faith the Lioness, they, they call Beverly Hills babe uh, Beverly Hillbilly or something like that. Talk to us about this, this Lana Star. Who does she think she is? I don't know who she thinks she is, honestly. Like, apparently she's been around forever, and, and and she's not very clever neither, because if I was trying to insult somebody, I wouldn't call them Beverly Hillbilly. That's not even an insult. I love that show. <laughs> like, like you're, you're calling her somebody who came into millions of dollars struck by luck. How is that an insult? <laughs> like, I don't know what Lana Starr's um, intentions are, but I do know if she crosses paths with me, She's going to have a really bad day and a really hurt arm. You got that right. We're talking to Jesse Jones from WOW Superheroes. Now, now what's up with this, this faith blindness? I mean, is, is she the real deal here? Because there's just something about her that's a little off to me. It's almost as if she's trying to put on a performance instead of uh, showing who she really is. And now that she's aligned with that no good Lana star, I'm a little concerned. Well, what's up with this faith? I ain't sure about Faith. She's another one of these new kids, you know, like Steffi Slave, you know, like, what is it, Azteca, you know, like, I, I don't know anything about her, but I know she's taking the wrong company. Um, that association <laughs> is not the, is not the, what you want to do, like, so, I mean, she's young and dumb, I guess, and she'll learn, she'll learn her lesson in one way or many ways, but, um, She's not making some good uh, choices right now. I mean, you're you're somebody who has wrestled all over the world, all over the country. You have a lot of experience, and, and you've come up the hard way. I mean, it, it has not been easy for you. You've had to earn every single thing that you've had in pro wrestling. To see these these young pop star wannabe 
pretty prissy girls here uh, just step into a promotion and they're automatically on national TV. How, how does that make you feel? I mean, what do you think about that, that they have such an easy road to uh, start them? Well, that's the whole issue, the make wrestling great again. It didn't happen like that, you know, when I was there. It took me 14 years to get to where I am. So all these rookies that are coming up, Eventually, they're going to find themselves across the ring from me, and they better hope that they have got in a lot of training and that they're taking it seriously because I am absolutely ruthless when it comes to being in the ring. There ain't no Southern hospitality <laughs> in the squared circle, if you know what I mean. You got that right. And it's funny because, uh, you know, when I let the, the listeners know that you're going to be coming back to the show, we, we did get a couple of questions in fact, uh, we have uh, Coach Dustin Davis. He wanted to know if there was ever a time where you got really angry in the ring and, and, and what happened. And, you know, you were just so deliberate and so focused when that bell rings. I, I know that you definitely put a hurting on your opponents. Has anyone pushed you to the point where you literally snapped, where you, you weren't in as much control and you really had to teach them a lesson? You ever see me not let go of the armbar immediately after the tap out? Oh. There's a reason. <laughs> that's a lesson. Yeah, oh, that's that's a good point. That's well stated there. So, so tell us what, what's going to happen here in season two, because what I don't understand is how other people are getting these these title shots. Uh, and in fact, you, you had a young lady in um, uh, Serpentine where. She literally just walked into the promotion, and she was automatically in the main event against Tessa Blanchard. I don't understand how that happened for the WOW uh, Superheroes Championship. When is Jesse Jones going to get her shot so she can break some arms and, and, and get some gold in WOW Superheroes? I ain't quite sure, but I don't really don't really care. To me, it ain't about it ain't about belts. It's about respect. So I know I respect Tessa. She's worked hard to get her spot. She's worked hard to earn that championship. She's trained. She's been everywhere. I respect that. I don't have, I, I don't care about a belt. Like, to me, it's just a trinket. You know what I mean? I've got tons of belts in the closet. <laughs> what I care about is making wrestling great again and keeping the people who don't belong in the ring out or putting them out myself. That's right. And speaking of which, listen, I, I, I've seen a certain somebody in WoW Superheroes who thinks they're so intelligent, they think they have such a high IQ, and they've been talking a little trash to you on, on uh, social media there, doing that little keyboard warrior routine. Mm -hmm. Some of these big mouths in, in WoW Superheroes and, and how they want to talk trash online, are they saying anything when you see them? No, absolutely not. I know exactly who you're talking about, too. And I think uh, the last time I said something to her, I was like, what did she say? She said I was, uh, oh, I don't even remember. But I, I, like, I just told her I was like, I'd rather be, um, I'd rather be dumb and undefeated than somebody who hasn't competed. Like, you can say what you want to about me. You can call me dumb redneck. You know what? Might be true. I'm cool with that. But I know how to wrestle. And I ain't seen you in the ring. So you can keep your high IQ, you can use all your big words and stuff like that, but that ain't going to help you if you find yourself across the ring from me. Not, your IQ ain't going to do not a darn thing. You are going to get your arm broke.
You, you hear that there, Sam Smart? So you, you better buy a sling now because you, you're really putting yourself in a bad spot with Jesse Jones. I'm just going to put that out there. You know, like you said, yeah. she doesn't even compete, but she has a lot to say on Twitter, and I don't understand it. Makes no sense to me. Jesse, if, if fans want to reach out to you, if they want to follow you online, if they want to see whatever you got going on out there, what's the best way that they can keep some Jesse Jones in their life? I'm on Instagram and Twitter as wow underscore Jesse Jones, J-E-S-S-I-E. Um, and then also, like, make sure you follow Access TV and wow, uh, wow Superheroes, and you'll be all caught up on everything that's going on. I'm not very sociable. I don't talk to a lot of people. I'm, like, I'm all about my wrestling. I might, like, get in a comment here and now, here every now and then, but you know what I mean? I'm busy. I'm focused. I'm training. I'm driven. I'm motivated. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> I'm wrestling, so, like, I may or may not respond, but definitely you can definitely follow and uh, see what's going on. Well, and I can tell you folks from experience, she she definitely means what she's saying there. I, I know that Selena Majors gave me the heads up that Jesse Jones comes down to the uh, wild training facility and sometimes she gets her hands on on the uh, new recruits down there and roughs them up a little bit as well. <laughs> yeah, it happens. I'm not allowed back there. <laughs> yeah, I think you 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 bloodied a few noses a little too often. You 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 uh, twisted a few too many arms down there. You know these kids are just breaking in, Jesse, and, and you're putting a hurting on them, huh? Well, you got to break them in the right way, right? That's right. That's right. Her name is Jesse Jones. Once again, folks, Wow Superhero Season Two on Access TV, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Every Saturday night, you got to check it out, especially if you'd like to see Jesse Jones. Jesse, you got any final words for us? Hey, uh, just make sure y'all watch because season two, there's some awesome, awesome things happening. Like you don't want to miss it. You will like if you're a wrestling fan, not wrestling. If you're a wrestling fan, you are going to fall in love with Wow Superheroes, and you need to see it. I'll tell you right now, I know that she's not someone to mess around with. I know she's tough as nails, but I got a lot of time for WoW superhero star Jesse Jones. She just tells it like it is. She's unapologetic about the fact that she knows she will bust you up if you step out of line. And hey, that's life. Wow. What a fun interview with Jesse Jones. And, and listen, folks, when we had her on last season, season one of WoW Superheroes, Everyone was talking about, who is that? What's up with this Jesse Jones? And, and you, you guys really enjoyed watching her on WoW Superheroes last season. So it's fun to bring her back. It's fun to see her continuing to just make wrestling great again, as she loves to say. She's just a real talented person and, and, and real cool person as well. So again, shout out to Jesse Jones. And of course, folks, if you want to see Jesse make wrestling great again, break some arms, bust some people up. You got to check out WoW Superheroes every Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Access TV. It, you know, for my money, it's one of the best shows on TV, period. Not just wrestling shows, but best shows on TV, period. And folks like Jesse Jones is one of the main reasons why. That's right. Listen, welcome back to the Duke Loves Wrestling Podcast. How you folks doing? You know, we, we continue this great series on women's wrestling, and I'm having so much fun having all the different personalities from WoW superheroes come on the show and, and share their thoughts, not only on WoW, but just in general. 
And we're going to keep that train going. You know, it's going to be happening again next week. Got another special guest. I'm not going to say who. You'll have to stay tuned to find out. But yeah, just cool stuff. On this week's episode, uh, we have a, a really fun interview with a woman who I, I say is legitimately a real life superhero. I mean, she's she's basically superwoman. You know, I'm talking about comedian Heidi Granberry. We also have the return of our man Reed. That's right, Sean Reed. You know, he's the combat sports analyst. He has a lot to talk about about boxing and and mixed martial arts and you name it. So that'll be a fun. Another fun interview with Reed. But before we get to any of that stuff, let me go over the top stories in pro wrestling because I'm telling you right now, folks, I I keep saying it over and over again, and it's true. It is a heck of a time to be a pro wrestling fan, and there's just so much going on. So let me just jump right in. Starting off with Impact Wrestling has officially announced they are going to be on Access TV every Tuesday night. And that's 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So Tuesday nights, you can expect Impact Wrestling to be on Access TV. And and that pretty much sets the calendar for us, mind you. Pro wrestling every single night of the week. Okay? We start off with uh, Monday Night Raw. WWE Raw. That's on the USA Network, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tuesdays, we're going to have Impact, as I just stated. That's on Access TV, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Wednesdays. Wednesdays, we're going to have NXT on the USA Network, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we're also going to have AEW Dynamite on TNT. And that'll start at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So both of those shows are going to go head-to-head Wednesday nights. Thursdays, you can head over to the WWE Network for WWE NXT UK. And then we have Fridays, the premiere, this uh, which is coming this upcoming Friday, the premiere of SmackDown. That's right, SmackDown on Fox. I believe that's going to be happening. When I say this upcoming Friday, I, I literally mean next Friday. So not uh, tomorrow. You know, if you folks are listening to the show when it first comes out, Thursdays, 11 p.m. Eastern Time, or not today, if you're listening on Friday, the 27th of September. But literally next Friday, we start SmackDown Live, which actually it's not even going to be SmackDown Live. It's just going to be SmackDown on Fox. And that's regular Fox. That's not Fox News. That's not Fox Sports 1. It's Fox TV. So if you have a local Fox affiliate, which everyone does, you're going to be able to see SmackDown Live every Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then Saturday, of course, we have WoW Superheroes, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then we have New Japan Pro Wrestling at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that's all on Access TV. So Access TV is really major station when it comes to pro wrestling, especially in America. It's a pretty big deal. So, And of course, Sundays, I didn't leave you out. Sundays, that's pay-per-view day. Anything can happen on a Sunday. That's pay-per-view day. And you can imagine with all these different promotions and their deals and what have you, we will definitely see a lot of pay-per-views coming our way, which is great. You know, and and keep in mind, I mean, pay-per-view is so different today. Before you would have to call your local cable or satellite company and you order the show and what have you. But now that we have these different 
online mediums like WWE Network and the Fight TV app and, you know, all these other different things here, BR Live when it when it's actually working. It's really interesting because the pay-per-views are a lot less money up front and you have more access and, you know, it's just easier to check out. And, and more often than not, you're able to replay the pay-per-view more than once. It's not just a one-time shot. So it's pretty cool. Pretty cool to be a wrestling fan in 2019, and I'm really excited about that. Shout out to Impact Wrestling. You know, you've figured out the day you're going to be on national TV. Making the move to Access TV is a very big deal. I think they just gained something like 20 or 30 million new homes that will have access to Access TV, which means they'll have access to Impact Wrestling. So that's a, a huge deal. Major step up from where they were. So shout out to them. Uh, Moving on, just got some breaking news here, folks, and this is interesting. Mike Johnson of uh, PW Insider is reporting, and again, this is what Mike Johnson is reporting, so I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm just going to throw it out there. It's a rumor. It's a rumor. Johnny, what do we even call him? Call him Johnny Nitro, Johnny Impact, John Morrison, Johnny something. (laughs) Well, Johnny has signed with the WWE once again. Again, this is a rumor. But if true, that's pretty interesting. Can you imagine John Morrison coming back to the WWE? I mean, where would you even put him? This guy is, has been everywhere. Lucha Underground, he's been Impact Wrestling, he's, he's wrestled all over the place, continuing to keep his name out there. That would be really interesting to see him Mixing it up with the the current folks who are under contract with WWE. I mean, matches with AJ Styles. Matches with The Fiend. Roman Reigns. Matches with Cedric Alexander. Shinsuke Nakamura. I mean, oh my goodness. The the possibilities are just endless. Getting back together with The Miz. Can you imagine that? If, if, If Johnny and The Miz get back together. It just... I don't know. I don't know. It's It's pretty cool. So... If it's true, congratulations to Johnny and WWE. That's that's a that's a pretty big sign. You know, pretty big. I don't understand why AEW didn't get Johnny. Um, Impact, they've completely rebuilt their roster, so I can understand if they wanted to move in different directions and build new stars, that's fine. Ring of Honor, you couldn't get Johnny? What's going on with Ring of Honor? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But that's a major sign by WWE because I know they, they, they have a history with Johnny. Johnny is still looked at favorably out there in the wrestling world in general. Still does amazing things. There's a lot of meat left on that that bone. A lot of a lot of uh, tread left on that those tires there. So, and and here's my question: What does this mean about his wife? Keep in mind, Johnny's wife is is uh, Taya Valkyrie. What does this say about her? Could we possibly see? Taya, Taya, I, I like to say Taya, but Taya Valkyrie in the WWE. And that would be interesting. Stay tuned to see what happens with that. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. Interesting news here as well, folks, uh, on the AEW front. Cody Rhodes, you know, he posted a photo of an AEW truck. Could be, called, you know, hauling production equipment or the ring or whatever. They posted a truck that says AEW on the side. And on the rear of the truck, there's a photo of Cody. And there's a photo of Brandy. 
Cody's counting down the days to the debut of Dynamite, AEW Dynamite on TNT, which that's happening next Wednesday on TNT, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, pretty interesting. Pretty interesting uh, decision to put your face on the back of the truck, Cody Rhodes. I don't, I don't really agree with that, but pretty interesting. It's funny because Cody put out a, a, a tweet where it was a long tweet saying that he wants it all. He wants people to, to reach out to him and give him the good, the bad, and the ugly. He wants to hear it all. He wants to receive it all. All the criticism, all the praise, all the everything. Cody Rhodes, I've been, I've been reaching out to you this entire time, you and your company. And I've absolutely pointed out what I like about what you guys do. I like the fact that Jim Ross is on commentary. I like the fact that Sonny Kiss is on the roster. I don't like the fact that Nyla Rose has been completely mismanaged the way you've booked her. The, the, you know, she's she's going up in, in, a, in a women's final with somebody who's already rolled her up and pinned her in a match in AEW. I don't really understand that. I don't like the fact that there were no women's matches within the last three matches of your, your first four pay-per-views when you promoted the fact that you're going to take women's wrestling seriously. I don't like the fact that you claim that women were going to get paid equally, but you had to walk that back, which Brandy Rhodes did. I don't like the fact that there were no men of color in your in your men's title picture. And the top stars that you promote, there were no men of color across all your platforms. Yet you, you preach diversity. I've been talking to you, Cody. I don't know if you're listening. I know somebody in AEW is listening because there's a lot of phony Twitter accounts that keep sending me messages. They only have, you know, you ever see those Twitter accounts, folks, where they have one or two followers? They have very little tweet history other than whatever they're saying to you. That's what happens to me every time AEW has an event. And I expect that to happen on Wednesday. In fact, all of the Duke Loves Wrestling listeners, I want you to pay close attention to the Duke Loves Wrestling Twitter feed on Wednesday starting at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Take a look at all the people who respond to anything I tweet. And look at their pages and tell me if you don't see some kind of, some what we would call dummy pages out there. These are false pages. These are not real. And I, I'll tell you right now, I'm just not going to respond to them anymore. If you don't have a photo of yourself or a photo of a brand that you own as your main photo, if you have less than 100 followers, if it looks like you just joined Twitter, literally, that lets me know that you're, it's not a real page. You're just using a dummy page and I'm not going to respond to you. You're pulling the Kevin Durant. I'm not going to put up with it. Cody Rhodes, you're going to be in Boston, Massachusetts coming up, right? What is it? October 9th? You're going to be in my city. You'll probably be here before that day. I'm challenging you, Cody Rhodes. Be a guest on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. And, and I will ask you all of the tough questions that everybody who interviews you is afraid to ask. I'll ask you why you're marketing diversity, yet you're not actually displaying it in a manner that even remotely makes sense. I'll ask you why women are not promoted as heavily as men. When you claim that there was going to be equal equality, I'll ask you that. Huh? I'll ask you about the unprotected headshots in the beginning. Looks like you guys got rid of that stuff, thank goodness. I'll ask you about that too. Does the company care about CTE? What are you doing about that? I'll ask you these questions, Cody. Because it's not my job to give softballs. 
and to be happy just because you exist. No. If you promote something, if you market something, then you better actually deliver it. You look at all these other promotions that I talk about on a routine basis, nobody gets a pass. I call them all out. Good, bad, and the ugly. AEW is no different. So, we'll see what happens there. Cody says talk to me. So, I'm saying, Cody, I've been talking to you. Where are you at? When are you going to respond? Tony Khan. Tony Khan has an office here in Boston. What's up? You want to avoid the tough questions. But you want to make claims. And you want to market things that aren't true so far. I want to know why. And I want to know when you're going to change. Tony Khan says, you know, before the year is over, we're going to have more uh, people of color in in top positions, especially the men. You're going to see more of that. Give me a break, Tony Khan, before the year is over. You lead with that stuff if you're going to sit there and claim diversity. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. Anyway, we'll see what happens with um, our friends over there at AEW. They're going to get it together. They don't have a choice. If this thing is going to work, they're going to get it together. And they're going to deliver on what they claim they're going to deliver on. And we're going to hold them accountable for it because that's what we should do. WWE continues to get hit every single moment because they've fallen short for so long. And when they started promoting this whole women's evolution stuff and not really doing what they were promoting, they get called out on it. The lack of of, of black world heavyweight champions, they get called out on that stuff. So AEW is not going to be any different. Not going to get any kid gloves over here. What do you think this is? I digress. I got a great interview on the line here with somebody who, like I said, who I feel is a real-life superwoman, the talented, the amazing Heidi Granberry. In fact, let's just jump right into it right now. I found somebody who is just tremendous. I mean, when you talk about somebody who probably is a superhero and they're just trying to keep it quiet, and listen... I don't want to get beat up. I don't, I don't want to get uh, zapped or, or sent to a far-off planet, so I, I'm going to be careful what I say. Because, you know, the Navy just said that the UFOs are real. So let me be careful here. But I think we might have a real-life superwoman with us here this week, folks. So let me speak to this person, and you can judge for yourself when you hear about her amazing story. So without further ado, welcome to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, Heidi Granberry. How are you, Heidi? Hey. You're so generous with everything that you said about me. Thanks. Appreciate well, that. But no, seriously, you, and, and look, I've done my research, so I know what's going on here. You actually wrestled in middle school and high school. Am I correct? Yes, that's right. So, so talk to us about that, because I, I'm, I'm a little confused. I, I haven't heard of too many um, women's wrestling teams in middle schools and high school. So was there, was there a, a, a women's team, a girls' team, or, or were you wrestling with the boys? Right. So there wasn't a girls team. So we wrestled on the boys team. Um, and I say we, it was my friend Nikki and I, we both wanted to do wrestling. So we did. And yeah, and they, since they didn't have a girls team, they, they were forced to put us on the boys team. And as a matter of fact, one of the coaches, Coach Crean, he was so opposed to it. He actually confronted me once during a practice. And he was like, you know, I don't want you here, and, but there's nothing I can do about it. But if it were up to me, you would be not, you would not be on this team. So, yeah, I, the coach, the person that's supposed to be teaching me did not want me there, but I just kept doing it anyway. 
that is just that is r- ridiculous. Oh, so how did it go throughout the rest of the season or, or the period that you spent with this coach? I mean, did they did they do anything to try to stifle your development, or did they just do their job despite the fact that they don't want you there? I mean, I think he was just kind of irritated with us because he thought that we were just there, just, you know, fucking around just for fun. But he realized that we were serious about it. And actually towards, like, the second half of the season, he actually started, like, I could see him, like, talking to other coaches. Like, you see her over there? Yeah, she's on my team. Because he thought I was taking it very seriously. And I was winning, I was winning matches. Against boys. So that that must have been something else too when you think about it, because there's 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 nothing more fragile than the male ego, okay? And and especially when you're young, you get beat by a girl, quote unquote. That's like the worst thing. You can't show your face around in the school anymore if you get beat by a girl. And yet there right. you were kicking everybody's butt in the wrestling matches. Right, but which is ridiculous because I mean they pit, they put you up against people that you are evenly matched against. Like yes, you are a boy, but we weigh the same. We're doing the same workouts. We have the same training. So physically, at least at that age, before like because we were much younger, like testosterone hadn't you know kicked in quite yet. So we were actually evenly matched. There was personally, I don't think there was any reason to be. So, I don't know, like, ashamed if I beat you, but it, it did happen. Um, there was there was a kid, I remember, I beat him a few times. Because, you know, you wrestle the same kids over and over again once you go to the same school, like, once you wrestle the same schools. And uh, we were supposed to wrestle this school again, and I was like, hey, where's Clint? And they're like, oh, no, he quit because he didn't want to, he didn't want to get pinned by me in front of everybody. So again, folks, not Quint, it wasn't that he would, didn't want to beat a girl. He didn't want to get beat by a girl, and clearly that happened already. So he, he ran away, which is pretty crazy. What, how did everyone in the school take it? I mean, here you are, this badass on the wrestling team, beating up the boys and what have you. How did everyone else respond? Pretty, pretty positively. Uh, they're yeah, they're pretty supportive. I would say. I remember everybody being pretty supportive and. Uh, being like being friends with a lot of the guys on the team, the guys didn't really give me much of a hard time. If anything, it was it was more of like the adults sort of raising an eyebrow at it, but the younger people were like, "Yeah, you want to wrestle? Just wrestle." Yeah, and as you know, it's usually the adults that'll mess it up. I mean, I, I can remember playing little league baseball, and and it was the same situation. We definitely had girls on the team, and and they were some of the best players on the team, and. You know, if the umpire called something on somebody's kid, these folks were acting like they were ready to, to slice his tires and, and, and put him in a ditch or something. I mean, it's just really crazy stuff. So I, I definitely understand what you mean by it. the kids were all right with it, but it was the adults that were kind of getting in the way, so to speak. It's, it's interesting, though, because, you know, you, you were doing the wrestling, and that wasn't enough for you. It's it's like okay, so I, I'm doing the wrestling thing and I'm beating people and what have you. That's not enough. You know what? I'm going to start doing some powerlifting too. Tell yeah. us about that. What, what is this powerlifting stuff that that I uh, found out about? Well, I mean, I don't know if you did you do wrestling in high school or middle school at all? No, I, I did football. I did football. I did baseball, and I was a commentator for the basketball team. 
But no, we didn't have a wrestling team, so unfortunately I couldn't do it. Plus, you would have just destroyed me if, if we were in the same area. So I, I'm kind of glad that I didn't have to do uh, wrestling against somebody like yourself. Well, um, well, I was going to say, like, anybody that has participated in wrestling knows that that is the hardest workout that you can – that's the best shape you will ever be in. And I kind of got addicted to being – like, I really felt so good uh, being so strong and, like, capable. So – our school started a powerlifting team, and yeah, I just, I, it, it was like a no-brainer. I was like, yeah, dude, I definitely have to join. I need to get stronger because I like this feeling. So yeah, I, I lifted at the, um, what weight? I think I was at like the 110 weight class. It was like one, 108 or 110 or something, and I remember like winning, like deadlifting. Like I was so, I was so skinny and tall, but I was like deadlifting like 220 pounds at 108 pounds myself, and uh, yeah, bench, at benching not that much, but it was, it was definitely a lot of fun, and uh, it was a way to keep strong for wrestling. So what is that? Because it, it's, I got to tell you, this is very unusual to hear. It's, it's very unusual to hear that a, a young lady is not only wrestling, but she's powerlifting, and she's doing it at a level where, you know, she's competing and she's winning and all this other good stuff, and it's it's something that she's really into. No one forced you into it. You made the decision to do these things. Where does the interest in these sort of sports come into play? The interest, it just kind of comes, like, my motivation to do anything, it's just, like, I don't know. I always was encouraged to by my parents to kind of like if you like something if you're good at it then just do it you can do anything so do it yeah sometimes I look at stuff like oh yeah I, I could probably do that if I wanted to and then I do it I don't know and also like you're just here one time you're live once why not try everything well, and let me tell you something, Heidi Granberry, you clearly took what your parents told you and you kind of took advantage of it there because you're doing the wrestling in school and you're doing the power lifting. As you got older, you became an engineer? Yeah, um, I got a degree in civil engineering. Okay, so what is this? Where does this come from now? What is a power lifter and a wrestler doing becoming an engineer? How did that happen? Well, I was always, like, a straight-A student. Um, I always got really good grades. Um, I was always top of my class. I, In particular, I love math. I was just trying to figure out, like, okay, what career can I get into that incorporates a lot of complex mathematics? And uh, I came up on engineering, and then I just read a Wikipedia page that said civil engineers build bridges. I was like, well, fuck, I could build a bridge. So <laughs> that was it. I can, I can beat people in wrestling. I can I can lift more. And, oh, fuck, I can build a bridge. I, you know, whatever. Whatever I, whatever it is, I can do it. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. So, so you, you, you went through school. You got your degree. And then yeah. you were doing it. I, I got a question for you. Because this is this is interesting, and, and especially hearing about what you said about the coach giving you a hard time. I mean, literally the person who's supposed to be teaching you how to to wrestle and, and how to protect yourself and how to do it the right way. They let you know they don't even want you there. Yeah. Have you ever had a situation in engineering where you had to deal with a similar 
type of energy or was was there ever a, a situation where people took you for granted because you're a woman or or you know because you don't look like a quote unquote engineer so to speak right so not in school because again like people my age like younger people are like yeah of course there's a black woman studying engineering duh but um once i got into the working world then it it became kind of challenging there was this this one time that i was in the field there's a construction manager he was asking me why i hadn't marked out the height to which this mosaic tile was supposed to go on a wall and i said well i need a laser level so i can't do it yet and he walked up to me and he grabbed my tape measure off my waist, snatched it off of my person, and then measured where the existing mosaic was, and then said, see, it's just five feet from the ground. Why are you making it so complicated? And then he gave it back to me, and then I asked him, are you done? Because, like, he was trying to embarrass me in front of my subcontractor. So I asked him, like, are you done? He's like, yeah. I was like, okay. So the reason why that measurement is going to work or isn't going to work is because, I don't know if you noticed, but the ground has, like the floor has a 2% slope. So that measurement that you took doesn't really mean anything unless you want the mosaic tile to be on a slight slant. So as I said before, I need to wait until I get a laser level until we can figure out where to put the mosaic. And then he said, oh. And then he just sort of, like, walked away slowly. But things like that happen to me where people try to undermine me or question my authority or make me look stupid. And I don't want to have to make them look stupid in front of everybody, but sometimes they don't give me a choice. You know, that that probably is your superpower. People who are in this world try to make others look stupid, and, and you just have to – you're the mirror that shines up on them and let them know, no, it's actually you, it's not me. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 that, that is just a ridiculous story, and uh, it, it, it's incredible that it happened. Where the guy literally took the the, the measure off of your person, in front off of, of my body. That that is just ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. And oh, by the way, he didn't know what he was talking about, and he's supposed to be in charge. And where the fuck is your tape measure? Why are you taking mine? <laughs> We're talking to the real-life superwoman, Heidi Granberry. Now, you, you said that you you did the wrestling in, in, in school, and, and you did the powerlifting. You moved on, and, and you became a civil engineer, literally because you read something about building bridges, and you knew that you could build a bridge. So it's like, all right, I'll just be a civil engineer. Yep. Lately, you've been doing something completely unrelated to all of that. Yeah. Talk to us about this comedy stuff. You you actually got into the comedy business. Yeah, so I lived in Chicago for seven years, and while there, I took up improv at Second City Chicago. I also did improv in high school. And then I got into the storytelling scene in Chicago. And then I dated a guy who had, like, a really great sense of humor, and he he just told me, he's like, Heidi, you know, if you move to New York – if you just tried stand-up comedy, you would do well. And I respected his opinion so much that I was like, okay. And I moved to New York. 
and now I'm doing stand-up comedy, and it's going really well. I just, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't, literally, it's just like, okay, I can do that, yep, so, and then you just go do it. Yeah. Wow. So, so talk to us about the comedy thing, though. I, you said it's going really well. What is this about? I mean, what is it that motivates you to even want to do it? I can't speak for all comedians, but I think maybe for many comedians it's just based on, you know, personal experiences. I have uh, just a lot of tragedy in my life, but, like, a coping mechanism is, like, putting a funny spin on it. I find that, like, not only cheers me up, but makes a lot of other people laugh. Also, the other thing, it's weird engineering kind of ties into it. The way that I I can explain things very clearly, I think plays a part in how, okay, I'm not explaining things very clearly right now, but um, I do, I explain things very clearly uh, when I'm on stage and people, I don't know, it just, it all just kind of works. Well, and, and I'll, I'll speak from experience, just checking out some of your stuff. You absolutely are a solid storyteller, and there's a lot of irony, and, and it's just, but it's real-life stuff, and, it, and it, it's hilarious because it's like, wow. <laughs> you know, First of all, I can't believe she just said that, but even more importantly, it's like, she's right. It, it is. It's it's an interesting take on comedy that is hilarious, and especially coming from this person who also wrestled in high school and was this power lifter and was this engineer, this this amazing job, this this person who can build bridges, and now she's doing this other amazing job where it's like, oh, by the way, I moved to New York and I'm a, I'm a comedian now. Here I am. Yeah. Unbelievable. Let, let me ask you this, because clearly you're a, a person that is, it doesn't seem like you know where the limit is and you're not interested in where the limit is. There's There's no, there's no ceiling for you. You're just moving. What's some advice you can give to others who may not necessarily have that type of um, confidence and, and, and what have you, especially young people? What's some advice that, that you can share with them uh, just based on your own experiences there? Figure out who you are, spend some time alone, and be very, very honest with yourself because it's really easy to get swept into um, what other people think of you. And when you're, you're, you're never going to please everybody. And when you're living for other people, you're not really living. So you really have to figure out who are you? What are your likes and dislikes? What are your core beliefs? And then it makes things so much easier. Because I know like a lot of young people are just sort of, feeling a bit lost like what do I do with my life what is my passion and that's such I fucking hate that word what is your passion you have to figure out your passion there's a lot of pressure tied to that word I mean I wouldn't say that I don't have one passion I mean, look I just kind of do everything and that that's my passion I want to live a life that like every day is a little bit different and I'm learning something every day and I want to be a person that is open to criticism I want to be a person that can change and I want I want my opinion to change on things like if I'm wrong tell me I love being wrong I love to be the kind of person that is open to being wrong because then I can be better not only did it make sense you you, you kind of took it to another level that that was damn <laughs> that was deep it, now I know that you know folks listening, and, and especially if if they weren't aware of who you were before, they certainly are now. 
if they want to reach out, if they want to follow your journey, if they want to find out, uh, you know, when's the next time you have a, a, a comedy thing going on, where can they go? Where, where can they go where they can figure out how to get some Heidi Granberry in their life? Go to my Instagram at Heidi Granberry. Spell my name H-E-I-D-I. And Granberry is grand like Grand Canyon, like Grand Canyon, berry like strawberry. Heidi Granberry. Um, I post everything on my Instagram. Go there. A website will come soon and that will also be posted on Instagram. And, and you have a comedy series that you do um, every few months or so. Is that correct? Yeah. So I'm also a, a comedy producer. And it's funny because somebody recently asked me, somebody that works in television production, they asked me, like, well, how did you become a show producer? I was like, oh, I just, well, I just did it. I wanted to do it. So I just started doing it. I started producing comedy shows first in my living room in Brooklyn and then I had a friend uh, with a beautiful backyard, and she invited me to do a show in her backyard, and I did it there. And then from there, somebody was like, well, why don't you do one at my place? And I did it there, and we get all kinds of big names in there. Our last show was sponsored by Radeberger Pilsner. Yeah, and I'm uh, planning on doing another show for Halloween. Uh, venue is pending, but most likely it'll be in Brooklyn, and it's called Cat in the Furnace. Cat in the Furnace. You hear that, folks? Cat in the Furnace. you got to check out Heidi Granberry on Instagram and, and keep an eye out for her Cat in the Furnace uh, series, especially if you're going to be in the Brooklyn area. Definitely something, if you can get a chance to check it out, you'll just be blown away. I mean, you've heard in this interview right here, this lady is, I don't really think that she's from planet Earth, which, again, I don't want to say anything offensive because I'm not trying to get twisted up in, into any kind of hold or anything. She knows how to wrestle and power lift, and I just don't <laughs> want those problems in my life right now. But she's Superwoman. That's, I'm just going to say that again. She's Superwoman. Heidi, do you have anything else uh, left to say to everybody? Check me out. If I can share this with somebody famous so that I can rest a little bit and, like, rest on my world. fucking tired, but I'm having a lot of fun. Hi, this is Earl Oliver from Sully Finish Wrestling. This is Raj Geary with WrestlingInc.com. This is Sean Reed, boxing writer and undercover low-key wrestling fan. And you're listening to Duke Love Wrestling. Woo! Wow. I'll tell you, man, that, that lady is just amazingly talented, inspirational, and what I love about the fact, what I love about her is the fact that she is unapologetic about who she is. She owns it. And she's not afraid to go after her goals. I think there's a, there's a lot to be said about someone like that. And I think it's, it's really something that everybody should, should take a look at and listen to what she said there. I mean, she said, get to know who you are and be honest with yourself about who you are. That's that's a big deal, man. I'm I'm all about that. That's that's good stuff. So we'll be checking back with Heidi Granberry, and and of course, please head over to uh, her Instagram account, Heidi Granberry, and I'll put the link up on the Duke Loves Wrestling Twitter and Facebook account, so you folks can definitely check her out. Please give her a follow. Keep your eyes peeled. I'm not going to say any names, but some A-list comedians have been checking in on what she's been doing. 
and they've been giving her rave reviews. Like, I, I'm serious. I expect this young lady to be on a national and international stage in the not too distant future just because she's doing such a great job and so many big names have been co-signing her, including her sponsors. It's just, it really is fascinating. So shout out to Heidi Granberry. She's good people, man. That's right. Okay, up next, I'm, I'm going to get my man Reed on the line because I got to talk some some boxing. I got to talk some some combat sports. I just, I got to talk to my boy Reed and find out what's been going on. All right, my man, the famed combat sports expert here, Reed. How are you, brother? I'm good, brother Duke. How you doing, my man? Listen, Reed, I am just completely off the wall, man. I'm still thinking about this Valor Bare Knuckle 1, this Bare Knuckle pay-per-view that uh, Ken Shamrock and his team just had there. I, man. I can't remember a time that I saw so much action in, in such a short period of time, and it was all just really on point. It was exciting. Talk, talk to us about about this whole concept of bare knuckle fighting and just your views on that, Reed. Because you you're a guy who has done boxing promoting, you write about boxing, you podcast about it, and, and of course, you know you know your you, your uh, MMA and all that good stuff as well. Talk to us about this concept of bare knuckle fighting and just your thoughts on that. Uh, it's it's the purest form, excuse me, purest form of fistic arts. Before there were gloves, men fought bare knuckles. So what they're doing today, what Ken Shenrock and Valor have introduced, is what was done at the beginning. We're just returning uh, back to our roots, from the root to the fruit, like Bundini Brown used to say when he was in Muhammad Ali's corner. Uh, of course, the casual fan, there's, there's the, uh, there's the threat of more violence. You know, there'll be more blood. There could be more teeth loss. Uh, obviously more one punch finishes. But just based on the footage, I didn't see the card in its entirety, but you did a good job of keeping your timeline flooded with links and whatnot. And I mean, every one of them, you could hear the appreciation of the crowd, especially with the Godbeard dude. Like he was. I don't know if he was intended to be the star of the show, but it seems like he stole the show. Knocking dudes smooth out. And even me, as a boxing fan who appreciates the sweet science of an Andre Ward or a Pernell Whitaker or even a Floyd Mayweather, I appreciate that to the fullest. But no one, and I mean no one, wants to see a 12-round or a decision fight every single time. You want to see some knockouts. And Valor delivered. They they over-delivered, in fact. It was and you told me the stats were, were 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 good. The event was well received. Is that true? Absolutely. In fact, they were number one in uh, Google search results, and it wasn't even close. It was interesting because UFC Mexico was happening at the same time, but it was Valor Bare Knuckle that, and combined with Ken Shamrock, and, and then also God Beer and some you know Ishe Smith, some of the other folks who, who were on the card. It completely outperformed UFC Mexico. And correct me if I'm wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I believe the UFC Mexico was shown on ESPN Plus versus yes. it being a pay-per-view. So my point is it was even cheaper to watch UFC Mexico because ESPN Plus is, what, like nine ninety-five a month or something to that effect. So it was cost-effective, but yet you're telling me Valor in its first show, in its inaugural event, outdid a UFC show. That's 
that's phenomenal. Like you couldn't, I don't know if Ken Shamrock even dreamt of that occurring. I don't even, you know, in his wildest dreams, I doubt if he thought his first show would outdo, outperform a UFC show. He has to be ecstatic over that. Well, and, and here's the thing that I definitely come to because, and you understand this, Reed. I mean, we're we're sports fans, and we love combat sports in particular. Um, there's something to be said about a company, about a league, about a promotion that markets something to you and then delivers. Absolutely. One of the things that Shamrock said, and he said it on this show, said it everywhere, it's going to be quick. You're going to see knockouts. And as far as the punching in particular, it's not going to be people just wailing on each other and, and being all wild and what have you. It's going to be targeted. It's going to be precise because you, you you only have so many punches you can throw before you break your hand or something like that. Sure. So people are going to be very tactical and, and and very you know specific about where they're throwing their hands, and they delivered. That's exactly what we got from the from the uh, card there. What I think it speaks to is the fact that Ken Shamrock is a former fighter himself. Usually we got guys in suits putting these shows together. Now I've read where Dana White boxed, but no disrespect, Dana White wasn't a fighter, if you know what I'm saying. Anyone can go in a gym. It's, I've, I've sparred people. I hit bags occasionally to this day, but at no point have I ever been a fighter, if you know what I mean. Ken Shamrock has been there on every level, so he knows what fans want, and you can see his fighters performing for him to make the show what it was. I think the fact that he has his experience, He's a legend in combat sports, so guys not only want to fight on his card, they want to make Ken Shamrock proud. And that's what we saw, and I think we'll continue to see more of this. He'll only beef up his roster. I can't see the viewership numbers dwindling. It's only going to improve from here. What do you think of the name Godbeer, which I, I guess this is <laughs> guy's real name. What do you think of that name, Godbeer? Hey, uh, two of life's essentials. I believe in God. I pray every day to God. Don't know if God's a man or woman, black or white, a human-like being or just a spirit, but I believe in God, and I'm a beer drinker. Two of life's essentials, God beer. So just based on name alone, I'm a fan. And then I saw how the brother looks, and I saw how he performed, knocking people smooth out. Yeah, I can't. Like I said, if he wasn't intended to be the face of valor, beyond Ken Shamrock, obviously, he certainly is now, based on the way he looked. Didn't he have two fights on the card? Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and, and he. Was, what was the duration of those two fights? <laughs> I don't even think they they combined for three minutes. I think it was it was less than a minute and a half, maybe maybe two minutes total. And people, I mean, Mike Tyson to this day probably the single most popular fighter that ever lived, or infamous, however you want to word it. People didn't miss Mike Tyson's fights knowing, hey, this shit could be over in 90 seconds. People still forked over money hand over fist to see those 90 seconds. And, they, and those 90 seconds were worth it. As long as God is knocking people out, they'll continue to be fans lining up to see him. And I'll be one of them for sure. Well said. Well said. We're talking to combat sports analyst Sean Reed. Uh, Reed, it's, it's really crazy because, as we said, UFC – Mexico was on at the same time. And, you know, the main event had this guy, Rodriguez. Yair Rodriguez versus 
Jeremy Stevens. So you have the Mexican versus the American, and this was a, a highly anticipated main event. Everybody, everybody knew that you know these guys were going to beat the heck out of each other, and it was going to be the real deal, etc. Big time featherweight bout. Crowd was excited. It, it was on. Right. And then, within the first minute of the of the fight, something strange happened. Rodriguez went in on Stevens, and he took his hand, and what I could only describe as a as a as a paintbrush motion. You know, he, he took the, the, the palm of his hand and he paintbrushed Stevens. He, he swiped from the top all the way down, and it was an eye poke. Now, was, this like a, was this like a Three Stooges, Larry Curly, intentional poke? Because John Jones kind of fights with his arms extended, and he's quote-unquote accidentally poked some guys. In your opinion, was it one of those, more of a John Jones, or was it some Three Stooges ass shit? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, man. I, I saw this, and, and my bodyguard was here, and, and she was paying attention. And the first thing I said was that was on purpose. Okay. There, there was no doubt in my. I saw it from the minute it happened. Before I even seen the replay, I saw it from the minute it happened. Because here's the point, Reed. When you're blocking a shot, you sideswipe. When you're throwing a shot. You can throw a straight palm strike. That's fine. Sure, but it, it wouldn't it wouldn't flow the way that this thing flowed. This guy, I, I, the, the best way I can describe it is if you were holding a paintbrush in your hand and you started from the top and you and you slid the paintbrush down. That's what he did. But it was it was like a slight jab at uh, okay. doing that, and it was directly it, it was directly aimed at the eye. There was no two ways about it. So, so that would have been the only part of that would have been the only part of Stevens that he could have affected doing what he was doing would have pretty been much. Eye. Pretty okay. much, it wasn't like he was trying to break a nose because you would have taken the the palm of your hand, the bottom of your hand, and do it. That the, those fingers went into the into the eyes. There's no two ways about it. And I believe it was a scratch cornea. I mean, Stevens' eyes all you could see it starting to swell up and everything at the time. He could barely open it. It just wasn't happening. Right. Uh, so. The referee, Herb Dean, you know, he has a lot of experience. He gave five minutes. Stevens couldn't open that eye. Herb Dean was not going to put him in a position where he had to unintelligently defend himself because he can't see. What he, he can't see, you know, so he stopped the fight. And, and this is despite the fact that the doctor who was in there, his body language signified that there was no way he was stopping that fight, despite the fact that the man couldn't open his eye. So Rodriguez starts going crazy. And he starts, you know, crying and things like that because the fans react. Now, Rodriguez is at home, mind you. This is this is the Mexican right. guy who's at home fighting the American. The fans react. They start throwing ice and bottles and all kinds of stuff into the ring. I thought it was Bash at the beach when Hulk Hogan turned into a bad guy. <laughs> it, everybody just throwing the trash into the ring. It was crazy, right? So... The fans are throwing all their, their garbage into the ring. Rodriguez has a complete meltdown where he starts crying and screaming. And then Michael Bisbing comes in to interview him, and he, like, flares his arms at Bisbing, who didn't even take a step back. He was just staring at the guy like, what are you doing? Because, I mean, you know, Bisbing, I mean, he's a heavyweight. He probably would have knocked him. I was going to say, Bisbing, right, he's a former uh, middleweight champion. Like, you don't want yeah, that he's a legend. He would have that smoke. Would have cleaned this boy's clock if he if if, if he didn't calm himself down and he and he did apologize after he realized what he did. So 
look, this guy is just completely unstable in that ring. It looked like obviously he was very emotional in manner in a manner that you don't expect to see from a world class fighter, especially in the ring when they're supposed to be fighting. You, you don't get out of control here. That's how you would lose. He pokes the guy in the eye. Crowd reacts. They're pissed off. Everybody's pissed off. And this is their main event. Main event gets called. At the same time, Reed, as God Beer is knocking people out in his main event. Yeah, that's not a good look. And just speaking on the psychology, I'm not in. I'm not in Mr. Rodriguez's body, but I know particularly with Mexicans and Mexican fans, they're the most hardcore and passionate fans in boxing for sure, and it's probably crossing over to mixed martial arts day by day. Um, based on the sequence of events. Especially if you're, because I trust your opinion, Duke. If you're telling me it looked intentional, I'm thinking he might have done that because he was a little leery of Stevens, wanted to compromise him in a way, but didn't want the fight to be stopped right then. So as soon as the fight gets stopped, he's like, oh, shit. Because there's another thing. Mexican fans, yeah, they're going to root for the Mexican every damn time, but above that, they want to see a good-ass fight. So right then in that moment, Rodriguez is like, damn, I know I poked him intentionally. But shit, now he can't fight. Now my own people are going to be pissed because they, they just want to see a damn fight. They just want to see a damn fight. Ultimately, from my matchmaking days, especially if you're having a fight in Mexico, it's wise to pit a Mexican against a Mexican. If you're going to pit a Mexican against a non-Mexican, you better be pretty damn sure the Mexican is going to win or else the crowd, it's not 100% across the board, but the crowd can get unruly. Before Earl Spence, who we'll talk about in a second, before Earl Spence became Earl Spence, when he was just some, you know, regular local amateur kid, he could be in Dallas fighting an amateur kid from L.A. in Dallas, and all the Dallas Hispanic people would cheer for the Mexican kid. That's just how it is. That's just how it is, man. They're very passionate and supportive of their own, and I can't be mad at that at all. Can't be mad at that at all, but... Taking it back to your original point, I think all of that in that moment hit Rodriguez harder than Stevens was allowed to, and that's why he had the meltdown he had in the ring. Just my opinion. I could be wrong, but it makes sense to me just based on my experience. Well, and, and again, for me, where I had, you know, one event on the TV and I had, you know, the other event on the computer, it was abundantly clear that Valor Bare Knuckle 1 was the more entertaining event for the night, mainly because we got what we wanted. We wanted to see knockouts. We wanted to see, you know, badass dudes just go in there and, and take care of business. That's what they did. Whereas, and Valor got, Valor got praised for carrying off a good event. UFC Mexico got uh, props, or not props, but got pressed because of the controversy of it all. Right. I see what oh, you're saying. Absolutely. absolutely. And, 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 in fact, I, I, you know, everything that I've seen since then, it's going to go down in history as one of the worst MMA events ever. Like, it just, that's how bad it was. It but this was, was in the first round, correct? Like, the fight didn't even get to play out or anything, right? I don't even think it was 14, it was about 14 seconds. Oh, my God. It was one of that's the first worst case that scenario. That's the worst <laughs> A 14-second fight that no one wins. That's the, especially for Mexican fans, oh, hell uh, no. They uh, want their money back. 
Man, yeah, yeah, that was a rough night there. That was a rough I'm surprised. night. <laughs> I was surprised everybody was able to get out of the ring. The fans were so upset. It yeah. was just, it was at that point, see. at that point, being one of their own doesn't matter. You're part of the problem, bro. Yeah. You boy, I need my money back, Yair Rodriguez. What's yeah. up? Yeah, yeah. So, and and, and the, the dude had the nerve to talk trash afterwards. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> you had your chance to be tough during the fight. Don't be tough after the fight. You That's had the whole point during the fight. Correct. That's the whole point. So again, shout out to to uh, Valor Bare Knuckle. I, I'm going to reach out to to uh, Ken Shamrock and his team over there. I, I got to find out when their next event is going to be, and, and they better have an, another event because this was such a success. I'm sure they can replicate it. Uh, you just got to find more fighters. But after seeing, and, and this is the other part, Reed, you you may be able to speak to this as a as a boxer. How many folk do you think would even line up to put themselves in a position where they're doing the bare knuckle thing? Because one of the things that was made clear, this is not like boxing because of what you can't do. Because of the damage that you can do your own self with the, with the fact that you don't have the gloves on. Um, right. Do you think most boxers would even be interested in doing something like this? I think, uh, for one, you're going to get the boxer who's at the tail end of his boxing career or perhaps has even been retired for a bit, sort of like E.J. Smith. I think it's a, I think it's very feasible and plausible for that former boxer who was renowned for punching power. Now, that wasn't Ishay Smith. Paulie Malignaggi fought. It was surprising because he, he couldn't even punch and always hurt his hand in boxing. So it was like, why the hell are you doing bare knuckle? But a guy who could punch, who was like, if Mike Tyson decided to go bare knuckle, oh, my God, it would it would be virtually the same. He would he would run through people. He doesn't, he doesn't have that that killer in him anymore, but just theoretically. With his hands and his speed and his power, a fighter of that ilk, someone who, even if you weren't terribly good at boxing, but everyone knew you could punch. Uh, like an Ernie Shavers. Ernie Shavers never won a world title. A former heavyweight fighter fought Larry Holmes, Ali, all the greats, Ken Norton. Didn't beat, didn't beat many of them, but he could punch like hell. To a man, they all said, hardest puncher ever fought was Ernie Shavers. Now, he's in his 70s now or whatever, but say he was 35 or 40, that would be a perfect vehicle. Valor would be a perfect vehicle for someone like him. So any former fighter who could bang, I would uh, I would be interested. I don't know what the pay scale is, but that's a way to uh, line your pockets a little bit more before you finally hang it up for good. Well said. Well said. Speaking of, of controversy and, and, and somebody going in there to bang, what the heck happened with that that Tyson Fury fight from uh, a few weeks back there? I, I'm still confused about what happened there, Reed. Uh, Fury, he played Valine. He played Otto Valine lightly. He took him lightly. Fury fights to the level of his opponent. You put him in with Deontay Wilder, Fury looks like the best heavyweight on the planet. Now, the problem is, He's already signed to fight Wilder even before he stepped into the ring for this last fight. So he's already got his eyes on the big fish. Now he won the fight. Let's not let's not get it twisted. He he won the fight, but it was Waleen was a little tougher than we expected. He was taller. He's about Fury's height. Like Fury doesn't fight too many dudes his height because he's six nine his damn self. 
you know, it wasn't the easiest fight for Fury and then the cut. Once it was determined that a punch caused the cut, the controversy stemmed from the fact that it was on ESPN, and the whole time they're hyping the next fight against Wilder. So indirectly or directly, there was obviously pressure on the uh, the referee and the ringside position. Because think of it this way. I forget if the fight was, I think the fight was in Vegas. I don't remember for sure. Pretty sure Wilder Fury 2 would be. So are you really going to be the guy to stop this fight against Waleen, knowing that Fury's going to make probably ten times that amount against Wilder, and you could be the referee of that fight? So the bigger the fight, the bigger the purse is for the judges, for the ringside position, and for the referees. So with that said, uh, the controversy is legit. I don't know, again, I don't know to what degree ESPN was doing the eye wink thing and sliding envelopes with money in it to allow the fight to continue. But I've seen cuts not close to that bad result in a, a fight stoppage. I have. But that said, I'm glad they didn't stop the fight because Waleen wasn't beating Tyson Fury. You know what I'm saying? Like Roy Jones had a loss on a DQ. His first official loss was by disqualification. That's BS. You got disqualified. You didn't lose. Same thing. If Fury had lost that fight and had his first loss that way, that wouldn't have sat well with me because he was winning the fight. He won the fight. Yeah, the guy cut you with a punch, but the ref let it go, and we saw that he came out victorious. So the ref made the right decision. I don't think he made the right decision for honest reasons, though. He made that decision because he knew the uh, the pot at the end of the rainbow was allowing this fight to continue so Fury could get to Wilder. Now, with that said, that cut was so bad, they were planning on fighting uh, in February. There's no way that fight's going to happen in February. Now, that cut will need quite some time to heal. I bet it'll be April or May of 2020 before we see uh, Fury Wilder, too. Wow. That's, that's a hot take right there. Wow. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm going to give it to you raw and uncut, you know. That is that's what I do. take. Man, well, and, and that's a good point. You, you can't take any opponent lightly. If, if you're going to step no. in the ring with somebody, just get the job done. Just get If he's got two hands and the ability to move his arms, he's a threat to beat you. He's a threat to beat you, period. Speaking whether of, you've heard of him, whether I've heard of him, he's in, he, he's, he signed to fight your ass. Okay, you better take him seriously. Well, speaking of which, what do we got going on uh, this weekend here? Uh, something that you've been hyping for well over two years now, Reed. We finally get the fight that combat sports expert Sean Reed has been saying we are destined to get someday. Talk to us about it. Uh, Saturday the 28th, Earl the Truth Spence Jr. versus Sean Showtime Porter. Uh, Spence has the IBF welterweight title. Porter has the WBC welterweight title. Both men uh, were hoping to get a date with Manny Pacquiao. Pacquiao, of course, uh, beat up Keith Thurman this this summer, like July or whatever it was. But once Pacquiao said, hey, look, guys, I ain't fighting again until 2020, then they set sights on each other because they're thinking, okay, you got a belt, I got a belt. The winner will have two belts. Maybe Manny will fight, want to have our belts, and get closer to a unified champion, uh, undisputed champion. I don't think Pacquiao will go that route, but he's irrelevant. This fight here is going to be 
just the style. Sometimes the styles they conspire to make a good fight. Porter, he doesn't take a backward step hardly at all. And Spence, despite his quiet demeanor and pretty boy looks and the puppy dog eyes, he's a mean dude who likes to hurt people. He's a gentleman, don't get it twisted, but he likes hurting people. And there's like a switch. When it's time to get in that ring, he's all business, man. These dudes were actually friends. Like, they put their friendship on hold and everything, and they're talking shit at each other, to each other in a way where I'm thinking the friendship was probably over. Just with me, I'm so competitive, was never particularly good in any sport, but I'm competitive anyway. So if I was to fight a guy, we were friends, you kicked my ass, I'm not interested in being friends with you anymore. I'm that type of sore loser. Yeah, if I see you in public, you with your wife and kids, sure, I'll say hi. You know, I'll hug your wife. I'll dap you up. But I'm not going to sit and kick it with your ass. No, you beat me, bro. I have nothing. I don't, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to engage with you like that anymore. Cause yeah, you beat me. I feel like you took a piece of my manhood and I don't, I don't want to revisit that. And I just see the way Spence and Porter are both talking. They're both very confident talking about breaking each other. I'm going to break his will. I'm going to stop him. I'm going to make your daddy throw in the towel, like just all this stuff. And they're, they're not cursing each other out. They're not going to your mama route. They're being, uh, they're being gentlemanly, but serious, dude. Like, it's like, oh, like just the type of shit you're like, yeah, you're not just, you're not just trying to sell tickets here. You guys really want to put hands on each other. And they're both so competitive. Whoever loses, yeah, they'll, they'll dap it up when they see each other at fights, but like you used to see them sitting by each other at fights, nah. You won't see that no more after this one. The loser of this fight won't be interested in that. Beyond oh, Smith and Porter, we got uh, Andre Durrell against David Benavidez. That's going to be a phenomenal fight. We got two more good. This is top to bottom. This is going to be the most fan-friendly boxing card of 2019. Maybe not the best pure fight of the year type fight, although I'm predicting the fight of the year of this year will come from this pay-per-view undercard. But literally every fight, Mario Barrios, he'll be on the undercard. We got John Molina Jr. versus Jose Cito Lopez. Those two guys, they don't know how to duck a punch. You know what I'm saying? And they both bleed and get knocked down. Like, this could be some Gotti Ward type shit. I say this a lot because I'm passionate about boxing, but I, I mean it. Do not miss this card. If you got to illegally stream it, I'm not suggesting it, but do what you got to do. Don't miss this shit. Please don't. Duke, don't miss it. Don't miss it, dude. Well, this is you just you just sparked my interest big time there, Reed, with, with a couple of things you said. Josecito Lopez is somebody that you that's another person you've told us on this show over the last couple of years. That's a name that you want to remember. Don't forget about this guy. He, he's moving up. He, he's, he's making some moves out there. How's he been doing? In terms of wins and losses, he's he's really not relevant. But he's a guy who's never in a bad fight. He's never in a bad fight. You want to you just see some good action. You want to grab a beer, some popcorn. You know, you with the fellas out, bar hopping or whatever. You you can do a lot worse than to watch a 10-round Josecito Lopez fight. Just ask Keith Thurman about him. Thurman beat Lopez, but Thurman damn near got knocked out by Lopez. Josecito's no joke, man. He He's never in a bad fight. Even if he loses, it'll be, it'll be a memorable fight. He's got like seven, eight losses. Don't get me wrong. He's not... He'll never be a world champion or anything of that sort, but 
he, he's fan friendly, and he'll uh, he has a following. Put it that way. It's like some mixed martial artists; they'll never be UFC champion, but they have fan followings bigger than some champions will ever have, just based on how they fight. And Josecito Lopez is one of those type of dudes. So, so then let us know that. now. Main event: Who's coming out on top and why? Uh, Earl Spence wins. Uh, late stoppage, ninth or tenth round. He just had, he has every advantage. He's taller, he's younger, he's stronger, uh, he's thicker in the body, he has more skill, he can fight better, uh, backing up, he can fight better moving forward, he has a better jab, he's a southpaw. Sean Porter's a tough dude. The only way, and I mean, the only way Sean Porter will win is if he uses his head a lot, they call him a dirty fighter, you know. To me, I don't know that there's such thing as dirty. When you're fighting, the object is to win. I don't, you know, no nut shots or anything of that sort. But Porter uses his head effectively. The only way he wins is if he headbutt Spence in some way that causes a fury-level cut, and then Spence is blinded by blood. That's, that's really, to me, Porter's only chance. But Porter's a tough dude. He's a proud man, so Spence is going to have to earn it. He's not going to just – Porter's not going to lay down for him. It's like uh, America's team, the Cowboys. We, we played last week against the Miami Dolphins. I believe at halftime the score was 10-6. to 6. We ended up beating them like 31-6. to 6. But Miami, as bad as they may be, they made us. Like, they didn't just lay down. We had to, we had to put hands on them to beat them. We had to convince Miami that we could beat them. Well, Earl Spence, Sean Porter's not believing it. Earl Spence is going to have to convince Sean Porter that he can beat him. So it's going to be interesting watching it play out. I do believe Spence could make uh, <coughs> make Porter's daddy throw in the towel, though. I think it's about the ninth, tenth round. It'll be so bad. It's like, look, what are we trying to go the distance for? I mean, people get killed trying to go the distance. Throw the throw damn the towel. towel. And live to fight another day. <laughs> throw the damn towel. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right, right. Live to fight another day. Don't be Apollo Creed, man. Don't be Apollo exactly. Creed. Exactly. Listen, Reed, if, if listeners want to reach out to you, if they want to check out some of the great stuff you have going on, especially with your awesome podcast, which I tell everybody, it, it legitimately, Sean Reed's podcast on YouTube, especially before a, a, a boxing event or even directly after, that is one of the best listens you will ever have in all of sports. I'm telling you, it is entertaining. It is enjoyable. It's in, in, informative. Reed, if you think this dude is entertaining on here and informative on here, listen to him on his podcast. Tell us how everybody can, can hear your stuff there, Reed. Uh, Reed, YouTube, Reed, BBS, Television. It's also spelled Reed, BBS, Television. I just like to say Television because I'm extra like that. I'm on YouTube, I'm on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook. You can find me. I've taken a little hiatus because the fight scene's been a little dead, but best believe I'm going to do an undercard podcast before the fight, and I'm going to do a prediction podcast before the fight this Saturday. And low-key, Duke, I think I might start doing some football podcasts. That's why I called it Read BBS Television versus just boxing, so I have the – the leeway to talk about other things. Maybe I'll have you on one time. Who knows? Who knows? Hey, listen, <laughs> if we're going to do a football podcast, as long as I get to talk about the Patriot Cheats, as long as we oh, talk yes. about our Cowboys, we'll be all right. 
We could do two hours on that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His name is Sean Reed. Reed, as always, brother, appreciate you having you. In fact, you know what? We got to get you back next week because we want to know post fight. What did you think? What, what did you think happened there? And, and, and were your predictions correct? And what happens going forward? Can we get you back next week? Let's do it, brother. You know I'm down. To be continued. Always great to talk to Sean Reed. Once again, shout out to our friends over at Valor Bare Knuckle. Their VBK1 event was just so good. So good. Here we go. It, Ken Shamrock, you know, he promotes this this bare knuckle promotion, which is an MMA promotion. You know, guys are just beating each other up, no gloves on their hands, just bare knuckle. So because of that, you feel every punch. I saw an interview with Ishay uh, uh, Smith where he said, I felt every punch. And, and, and certainly, he said, in boxing, you don't feel anything because you have gloves on. Bare knuckle, you feel everything you throw. It hurts you just as much as it hurts the other person. Which means you have to pay attention to where you're throwing your punches and how you're throwing your punches. You got to be careful. So because of that, it, it's no less safe than your traditional MMA. In fact, it probably is just as safe. Definitely safer than boxing. You're not beating somebody's brains in all night long. Anyway, I'm very proud of them. They did a great job. Again, they trended well above UFC for the night, which is just amazing that they were able to pull that off on their very first event. And and that's Ken Shamrock delivering what he marketed. He said it was going to be quick. You're going to see knockouts. It's going to be exciting. And that's exactly what happened. And most of us never heard of most of his fighters. We didn't know who heck Mark Godbeer was. We sure do now. That dude is a star. We sure know who, who God Beer is now. So it just it just goes to show, man, this is what happens when integrity and and market research and understanding of, of the product that you're delivering, when all of that stuff gets tied in together, it becomes easy to deliver what you market. Right? You don't have to sell people on things that aren't true. Ruining your brand to start off with, ruining the, the integrity and the credibility of your brand. No, you tell them what you can deliver and then you just go out and deliver it. So I got, I got a lot of time for, for Ken Shamrock and, and Valor Bare Knuckle. Can't wait for their next event. In fact, I'm going to be hounding them. I need to get that information. When is the next Valor Bare Knuckle MMA event? I need to see it. I need to see it. That's right. That's right. Listen, it's been a fun episode as always, folks. Again, I want to give a shout out to WOW Superhero star Jesse Jones. It's my homegirl, man. Good people. My brother from another mother, Reed. Sean Reed with the great analysis as always. Good stuff. And the superwoman, Heidi Granberry. Again, she's going to be your your next favorite comic in the world. I'm telling you, I got a feeling. I got a feeling, baby. Keep an eye out on her. That's right. Join us next week when we'll have more fun stuff going on. We'll have somebody else, another special guest from Wild Superheroes. Part two with Reed. I think I'm going to have Reed come back and let us know who won the uh, big boxing match this weekend. So you'll have to stay tuned and, and check that out. Part two with Reed. And we'll have another guest. Keep this train going. 
Be kind to yourselves. Be kind to others. So Duke's on and off. Bye-bye. Mr. Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.